0: Happy New Year's Eve! Um, I'm Shannon Stokes, and if you are new or visiting, special welcome to you. There are cards in the seatbacks in front of you um, called the Connect Card, and um, we'd love it if you would take one out, um, fill it out, and then put it in one of the black boxes on your way out. Today is Super Sunday. Um, please join us from 4 to 6 p.m. Um, this afternoon. Bring a side to go with the sandwiches, chips, and drinks that'll be provided. We're going to have cornhole, we're going to have octoball, we're going to have all kinds of stuff, tables set out if you just want to sit and hang out. Um, So please join us. Um, After this service, we're going to set up. And so if any of you want to head over to the gym and help us set up some tables and chairs, it'll move really quick if we have a bunch of people. Um, Also, next Sunday is the Meaning of Marriage class. Um, It is beginning, um, and so if you want to sign up um, on your Connect card and put it in one of the boxes, that would be great. Um, It is a great book by Tim Keller. Um, I would highly recommend doing this if you're single, if you're dating, if you're married. Um, It's a really great class to talk about the biblical meaning of marriage. Um, So I'm going to go ahead and pray, and um, Smiley comes up. Um Father, I just I thank you um, that you have drawn us to yourself. Um, I thank you for 2023 um, and all that you have done um, this past year. and um, we pray over this next year. I pray that you would be glorified um, in our lives. Um, I pray over Smiley as he speaks, um, just that you would speak through him today in Jesus' name. Amen.:
1: Thank you, Shannon. Certainly, my best gift at Christmas was Jesus, but uh, here's my other favorite gift. (laughs) It is three feet of Reese's, and I know that Mr. Reese's, who put chocolate and peanut butter together, has got to be in heaven. (laughs) So if I'm a little too amped up today, it's because there's a lot of Reese's inside of me, okay? Okay. Oh man, Uh, I I wanted to update you on something a couple of weeks ago. We had a congregational meeting and we elected a couple of elders, but we also had a chance to nominate people to the office of elder. We had 51 men nominated at our two campuses together, 33 of them were at Wildwood. And so those from Wildwood, I invited all of them to come to meet me and I gave them multiple opportunities to meet with me because I wanted to share with them the elder pathway. We had some that declined, um, some I didn't hear back from, uh, and, and 11 people gathered together with me, and I shared with them. And so maybe you meant to be there, and you didn't know what we talked about, so I'm going to share with you just real briefly. We have an elder pathway. Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we have a pathway that first people are nominated or they aspire because the Bible says if we aspire to that office, it's a great thing. And they're invited to walk through the map. Our process of disciple making, we want our elders to have to be people who are equipped to win people to Christ and to make disciples. And that takes about a year once a week to walk through and when uh, men have won someone to faith in Christ and are discipling, then we move on to the next step of the training, which is uh, gospel eldership, which teaches what servant leadership in a church is like. And then we, we provide uh, theological training as we walk through the Westminster Confession of Faith. I don't know if you've noticed, but a lot of churches have abandoned truth and abandoned uh, uh, sound, the, sound doctrine. And so we want to make sure that our elders... Uh, uh, have sound doctrine, so we want to train them. And then that would take about a year. And then at the end of that, we'd love to find a place for them to serve as elders. So if you have an interest in that, you could mark that on your card or come up and talk to me. Because the harvest is plentiful and, and the workers are few. And we'd love to train you to be a difference maker in our time. And that leads me to another thing. I wanted to update you. Uh, we have been talking about having a uh, December to Remember And I really believe we've had the greatest December we've ever had at Good News, that we had 1,457 people attend at Good News on Christmas Eve, and we give God thanks for that. I think most of them were here at 3 o'clock. And it was so good, it was the first time post-COVID that we just had trouble finding room for people, and what a great experience that was. Uh, we're really excited. We saw 25 people profess faith in Christ at our Christmas Eve services and 29 during the week. Let's give God thanks for that. And so having the best December ever, we had 87 people over the course of the month profess faith in Christ. And I meant to have rings here, but we ran out of rings. We ran out of rings to celebrate that. Ah. And, and to me, what's super encouraging is that we had 33 different people lead someone to faith in Christ in the month. Now, just to give you a little perspective, in 2021, just two years ago, we had 21 people in our church win someone to faith in Christ, and we prayed by discipling people, we could double that, and we went from 21 to 46. So this year, we were praying to double that, which would be 92. And right now, we're at 101. So God has more than doubled three years in a row. And you know what that means. I got a great text this week. Uh, I had lost my wallet again. And this guy runs a restaurant, so I wondered if it was there. And he said, no, it's not here. But he said, smiling, I look forward to who God's going to use me to win to faith in Christ next year. And I thought, what a, what a, what a great text that was. If we're going to get to over 200, you know what that means? We're all going to to be involved, right? Don't you want to be the, don't you want to be, Lord, I just wonder who next year you're going to give me the privilege uh, of winning to faith in in, in Christ. And, And we're praying for an amazing, amazing year and love for you to be a part of that. Uh, this month I've been sharing with you as well, just as we close out this year, our financial uh, position. And, and a lot of you have been very generous this month. Thank you. This is our last Sunday. Uh, if you're able to give something extra this week, we would really appreciate that because we love to finish this year in a very good financial position to set us up for an amazing year next year. So let me pray for us. Lord, thank you for an amazing month for the people who said yes to you throughout the month and Christmas gatherings and the Christmas Eve service, for our members who had the time of their life introducing a friend to their best friend. Lord, we pray those one to you would want to be discipled and to grow up and, and become disciple makers. Lord, we have financial needs and pray that you would meet our needs. And Lord, as we open up your word today, we do pray you would teach us that every one of us would leave here more in love with you than when we came. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bible, you could turn to Jonah 4. If you don't have a Bible, it would be a good idea to bring one with you. And if you don't have one, you can get one in the lobby. But before we open it up, I have a really important question for you. And the question is, what do you call a sleepwalking nun? What do you call a sleepwalking nun? You don't know? A Roman Catholic. A roaming Catholic. R-O-A-M-I-N-G, explaining to the person next to you, a roaming Catholic, okay? Oh, listen. The title of today's message and the point are the same, and that is that our dad is a missionary. What do I want you to leave here? I want you to leave here understanding that our dad is a missionary. And what that means is that our dad loves the world. Our dad loves the world and um, his people, not so much. Loving the world. That's the story of the whole Bible. When God established his covenant with Abraham, God said two things He says, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing to all the earth. And so in the Older Testament, the Israelites loved being a blessing, or being blessed, but they weren't so keen on being a blessing. Same's true in the New Testament, that we enjoy God's blessings, but sometimes we're hesitant to be a blessing to others. Um, don't agree with that? When was the last time you prayed for a lost person? When was the last time you had a gospel conversation with someone? Hmm? Our dad... Oh, our dad is a missionary. He he loves the world. And so we learned as we began our study in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 1, the word of the Lord came to Jonah and said, go and preach the gospel in Nineveh. And what was Jesus' last words to us? His last command was what? Wasn't it the same thing? His last command was what? To go and make disciples of all the nations, right? But you know what? Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. He didn't want them to experience God's grace, so he went in the opposite direction. God said, go east, young man, and he went west, right? To run as far away from God as he could. You remember that was chapter 1, and and then a storm came, and Jonah said, I'd rather be dead than preach the gospel to Ninevites because I don't like them. So they threw him overboard, and then Jonah changed his mind, didn't he? And remember what Jonah did? He looked up and he said, help. Some of us think we don't know how to pray. Oh, all we need to do is learn from Jonah. When we, what does it mean to pray? We just look up and say, what? Help. And what happened? God appointed a fish that swallowed him and saved his life. So we come to chapter 2. And uh, Jonah says something really profound as he's praying in, in, in the belly of the fish. He said, salvation is from the Lord. If you want to know the difference between the gospel of Jesus Christ and all other religions, there it is. In other religions, you have to save yourself by being good. It's up to you to save yourself. But Jonah understood. The Lord saved him. He was drowning and God saved him with the fish. He said, salvation is from the Lord. That's what we believe. So then we got to chapter 3. Remember chapter (laughs) 3? Chapter 3, remember, it began, the word of the Lord came to Jonah again. And so our dad says, Jonah, let's get it right this time. Let's get it right this time. And the word of the Lord came and said, go to Nineveh and preach the gospel. So remember what happened? Jonah went. And Jonah preached the gospel, the bad news and the good news, and he invited people to respond. And remember what happened? The Spirit of God fell. And 120,000 people, from the least of them to the greatest, they repented. And the entire city was saved. Remember? Oh. Don't you long to see that happen here, don't you? Remember what happened? The last verse in in Jonah chapter 3. When God saw their deeds, that they turned from their wicked way, then God relented concerning the calamity which he had declared he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Oh, man. Wouldn't you love to have seen that? You see, our dad is a missionary. Our dad is a missionary. God loves the world. We see that. We see that how he sent Jonah. And and listen, what does it mean that our dad is a missionary? That God can even use Jonah. God, so many of us say, I'm not smart enough. I'm not good enough. I can't be used of God. God goes out of his way to pick the worst people to show us it's all about him. That God used Jonah to bring about the spiritual awakening and he didn't even want to see them come to faith in Christ. So, If we ended the story right here, it would be a really good story, wouldn't it? The story would be that, listen, God told Jonah to go to Nineveh, and he went the other direction, but then he repented. And and, and then he preached the gospel, and a whole city was saved. That would be a nice story, wouldn't it? But that's not the end of the story. Chapter 4 is very messy. You know why chapter 4 is messy? Because we're all messy people. We are, and, and especially me. And so, what we learn about our missionary dad in chapter 4 is that our dad loves the world. Uh, he, he can even use Jonah's to make a difference, and that God wants to change our hearts. Because what we're going to find out with Jonah is his heart was the problem that Jonah didn't love lost people. Do we? So chapter 4. But it greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. He witnessed 120,000 people saved, but he was angry. You know why? Because he hated the Ninevites and I want you to know it wasn't without reason. Nineveh was the enemies, Nineveh was the enemies of Israel. They were brutal. And uh, he hated them. And so I want you to know that if there's any group of people on earth that you don't want to like, you can find all the reasons in the world why you don't like them. Because all people are messy. But if you want to love all people, if you look at our dad and see he loves sinners, messy people all over the world, then he'll change your heart because that's what Jonah needs to happen. Jonah needs his heart change, and many of us do as well. It, but it greatly displeased Jonah, and he became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, was not this what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. The very reason I knew you would do this, I knew you would be gracious. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, and one who relents concerning calamity. Oh. Now I want you to understand something: that Jonah had great theology. Now I love good theology. I love sound doctrine, and he had good theology. He knew God. He knew that God is just. And he also knew that the God of the Bible is gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, and abounding in love. He knew that. But it didn't capture his heart to love lost people. And so I want you to know why we gather together. I want you to know why we read the Bible. In 1 Timothy 1, 1.5, but the goal of our instruction is love. From a pure heart and a good conscience and sincere faith. The reason we gather together and study his word is so that our love for Jesus would grow. Not so we would know more. The reason we gather together is so that our love for one another would grow. These are our brothers and sisters. It's so that our love for lost people would grow. <clears throat> you know what? Jonah forgot. Jonah forgot. How much grace he needed right do we forget that <clears throat> i mean right here in the story right here in the story when jonah rebelled against god god was gracious to him wasn't he and when jonah was thrown overboard god was gracious to him wasn't he and he sent a fish to save him and uh all of a sudden i lost my voice God was gracious to him. And right now, right now, Jonah is angry at God, and God doesn't strike him dead. Oh, Jonah receives so much grace, but he doesn't want to show it. I don't know about you, but I need grace. I am so thankful that God has been gracious to me. Aren't you? If we have received such grace, don't we want others to experience the same grace? Aren't you glad that our God is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness and one who relents concerning calamity? Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. I love Jonah. He's so melodramatic, isn't he? We had one of our boys, and he would always go, oh. So Jonah says, listen, take my life. Take my life. I'd rather die than see these people experience your grace. The Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? Now notice, our God is a good question asker. He really is. Remember when Adam and Eve sinned, right there in Genesis 3, God says what? Uh, Where are you? Who told you that you were naked? What is this you have done? He was trying to get Jonah to kind of, or get Adam to confess what he'd done, right? And then we get into chapter 4, and Cain murders Abel, and God says what? Uh, Where is Abel, your brother? Uh what is this you have done? Wasn't Jesus really good at asking questions, wasn't he? Uh, he said to his apostles, who do, who do you say that I am? Remember when he met Saul, what did he say to Saul? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Oh, if we want to be effective in, in winning lost people, it's, it's very helpful for us to look at how Good, God wasn't asking questions. If we want to help brothers overcome their sins, it's really good to learn to ask questions. Do you have good reason to be angry? Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. There he made a shelter for himself and sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. Now, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, go into Nineveh and preach the gospel and Jonah started and then he quit and Jonah became a spectator. He quit preaching the gospel. He quit praying for the people. He quit discipling and he just went out and he became a spectator because he wanted to see what God would do. He hoped that God would change his mind and wipe them out and so my question for you if you're a Christian and we're under orders to go and make disciples of the nations are you a spectator or are you involved in the mission when sundays come do do you come as a spectator or do you come as a worshiper i mean do you come and kind of grade the music and the message or do you come on mission to thank the lord for what he's done for you? Do you come as a worshiper because you know others have had a difficult week so you come to sing to them and you realize that you've had a, and you want them to sing? Do you come to encourage them and encourage, do you gather on mission? Do you gather as worshipers? Do you? And as we scatter, do we go out on mission because we're under orders to go and and make Christ known everywhere we go? Or are we like Jonah we're just sitting and watching. <clears throat> so the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy with the plant. Notice how God appointed a plant. The God of the Bible is sovereign, and what that means is he's, he's large and in charge, God's sovereignty means creation took place. And that is that God spoke and everything that is came into being out of nothing. And then creation leads into providence. And providence is that God rules over all that he made. He's working in all things for the good of his people and to spread the gospel throughout the world. And so, here we see the word appointed and we see that word four times in this book. God appointed a fish to save Jonah, and God appointed a plant. He's going to teach him a lesson. Uh, and God appointed a worm to kill the plant, and God appointed a wind to make Jonah miserable. But God appointed a worm when dawn, when dawn came the next day. and <clears throat> Wait a minute, let me back up. So the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was extremely happy about the plant. Now, God wants to change our hearts because Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort than he was the eternal destinies of others. Uh, That Jonah was more concerned about his own comfort than the eternal destinies of others. This is the first time in the book we see Jonah happy. He wasn't happy when the fish delivered him, when the fish saved him. He wasn't happy when 120,000 people were saved. Oh, but he was happy when he was in the shade. Oh, is that true of us? Are we more concerned about our own comfort than the eternal destinies of people around me, are we? I mean, what is it that often holds us back from sharing our faith? Aren't we afraid that if we share our faith, they might not like us, so we put our comfort, right, ahead of the eternal destinies of others? And and are there opportunities that we need to speak truth into our culture, but we're afraid we might be canceled, so we remain quiet. That's why we need God to change our hearts, so that we love lost people like He does. Hmm. Uh, Oh... Jonah became a spectator, a way that Jonah put his own comfort ahead of the, uh, the needs of others. Is that true of us? But God appointed a worm. When dawn came, God is teaching Jonah a lesson, appointed a worm when dawn came uh, the next day, and it attacked the plant and it withered. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind, and the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die saying, death is better to me than life. Oh, Jonah, Jonah, oh man, I just want to die. It's life so hard. Ever feel that way? Another good question. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? Do you have good reason to be angry? And he said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. Then the Lord said, You had compassion on the plant for which you did not work and which you did not cause to grow, which came up overnight and perished overnight. God says, Wait a minute. How long did you know the plant? How long? A day, right? What would you do for the plant? Nothing. Listen. God is exposing that Jonah needs a heart change. Because his loves are very disordered. His loves are very disordered. I've told you before that self-control is the right ordering of our passions. And Jonah's passions, Jonah's loves were all mixed up. They were in disorder. He had compassion on a plant, but not on people. God says, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city? Don't you realize this is a great city? Do you realize I've given life to these people? They're all made in my image. They have eternal souls. Don't you realize how much I love them? Oh, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 people who do not know the difference between their right and left? They're so morally confused. They don't even know the difference between their right... They've never heard the gospel. They don't know God's word like you. They're lost. That's why they act like lost people. And the animal lovers will love this too, right? As well as many animals. Man, aren't you glad the animals were spared too? Jonah's loves were so disordered that he loved this plant more than people who were made in the image of God. Huh. Listen, the city was filled with lost people, and lost people tend to act like, what? Like lost people. Don't we live in a morally confused culture too, don't we? I mean, <clears throat> I go to the beach with a baseball bat, and, and I smash a bunch of turtle eggs, Someone said, oh. I'm going to end up, what, on the front page of the paper and in jail, right? But many of our states recently have passed laws saying that a mother can kill her baby in the womb, and that's okay. If you live in a culture where unborn turtles provide are better, better protected than unborn children, I would say they're morally confused, right? Don't we live in a culture confused between people who are made in the image of God and animals, though valuable or not? I mean, if you walk down the street with three or four dogs, everybody will say, that's a wonderful thing. But if you walk down the street with three or four children, people will say, you do know how to stop that, don't you? I know that. We have six kids. We live in a culture that values animals over God. I love to say when we have a canine deputy here, I said, What's it like to be a deputy in this county? And no, if someone shoots you, nobody cares. But if they shoot your dog, oh, our county would have a riot, are we not? And let me tell you, it's not just our county. Nobody's loves are more disordered than mine. <laughs> it's been a painful year to be a Florida Gators fan. And I'm watching the Gators play. And I am so emotionally burdened that Jesus whispers, you know, Smiley, if you cared about lost people, one half as much as you care about this game, you would be the greatest evangelist this county has ever seen. And it's so true. My loves are so disordered aren't yours. And that's why all of us, especially me, we need Jesus, don't we? God wants to change our hearts because our dad is a missionary dad. He loves the world and he wants us too. And he can use Jonah's. He wants to change our hearts. Now, I hope you're smarter than the first service. Because I want to tell you a story and see if you can't understand the story. Here's the story. What does it remind you of? There's a party going on in a the city. There's great rejoicing. There's a party in the city. And there's a grump. There's a grump who's outside the city who refuses to come into the party. What does that remind you of? What? the Grinch. (gasps) You're just like the first service. It's the parable of the two sons. There is a younger brother who says to his dad, I hate your guts. I wish you were dead. Give me my inheritance. And he takes the inheritance and he spends it on prostitutes and alcohol. And then he comes to his senses and he comes home. And what does the father do? The father welcomes him. There's grace and compassion, right? But the older brother who sees the joy of his father. Who sees the party refuses to come in, right? He refuses to come in. And so the parable of the two sons ends raising the question Does the elder brother ever go in? Does he ever go in? And Jonah ends in exactly the same way it ends Does Jonah ever join the party? Does it? I don't. I don't know. Or does he stay outside and miss the party? Hmm. Um. Our dad. Our dad is a missionary, and, and our dad loves the world, and our, and our dad can use anyone, even a Jonah. But God wants to change our hearts first, so that we love as He loved. Um. So that leads us to our action step and our action step for this week is I want you to live on mission. I want you to, I want you to live like Jesus and not like Jonah where you're a spectator. I want you to live on mission. Well, funny, so I mean, how do we do that? How do we do that? And what would that look like? Oh, how? <laughs> to live on mission, we need Jesus, right? We, we really do. We, we all need Jesus. Uh, do you, do you know that, um, the sailors needed Jesus? Uh, I mean, they cuss like sailors, right? But Jonah needed Jesus too, right? Did you know the Ninevites needed Jesus? They were brutal. But but Jonah needed Jesus too. You see, younger brothers need Jesus and older brothers do. Everybody needs Jesus, right? And especially me. Isn't that the gospel? In Isaiah 53, verse 6, let's look at the first two lines, okay? All of us like sheep have gone astray. How many? Uh, Yeah, especially me. Each of us has turned to his own way. Which ones? Each of us, right? You see, younger brothers have sinned against God. What is a sin? It's a crime against God. Younger brothers have disobeyed their parents. And uh, that's me. And younger brothers have stolen and told lies, right? They've sinned. Their sins are outwardly. They've committed crime after crime against God. Oh, but listen. Older brothers have sinned against God, too. Remember when Jesus was asked the two greatest commandments? He said that you should love God with all your heart. Older brothers haven't done that. And older brothers haven't loved their neighbor as themselves. They too have committed crime after crime against God. Oh, we've all committed crime after crime against God, and we are all guilty because God is just, and he says what we deserve is hell. Ah, but here's the good news. What did Jonah know? That God is gracious, right, and and compassionate and slow to anger and abounding in loving kindness so our gracious God has made a way for sinners, younger brothers and older brothers, both to be forgiven and live forever. And that is that God sent His Son. That's what we celebrated at Christmas, that God the Son put on flesh, lived a perfect life for us, and then went to the cross. Hmm. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way, but the Lord has caused the iniquity of us all to fall on Him. God is just, sin must be punished. That's why Jesus died in our place once and for all to pay the penalty for our sins. But God is love and he came up with a way for sinners, younger and older brothers alike to be forgiven and live forever. That is that Jesus would die in our place. So Jesus died for our sins. And then the third day he rose. And you know what he offers us? He offers us a chance to start over in life. Oh, have you ever wished you could have a do-over? Oh, listen to this in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away, behold, new things have come. Jesus said that if we would believe in him, he would forgive all of our sins. He would move into us, and from that day forward, everything would begin to change, that we could do life in eternity with him. Oh, wouldn't you like to be forgiven? Wouldn't you? Wouldn't you like to, um, to do life and eternity with Jesus? If you've never put your faith in him, won't you? One day it'll be too late. Well, so how do we believe in Jesus? Well, it really is simple. It's, it's ABC where we admit and believe and commit. You, you can do that right now or when we close in prayer, I'll assist you. But it starts when we say, Jesus, I've sinned against you and, and I'm sorry, won't you? And then we believe. I, I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And then we commit, Jesus, to come in, and I want you to be my Savior, and, and forgive me, and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord, and help me be the person you want me to be. Um, if you have it, won't you? And if you have, will you just smile? Do you hear this? I mean, how many people would give anything for a chance to start over in life? And that's what Jesus gives us. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. Oh, when we believe in Jesus, he forgives us. He moves into us and he says, we get to do life and eternity together. And then he says, follow me, right? And he becomes our model for life and ministry. Oh. How do we live on mission? We believe in Jesus. Jesus. How do we live on mission? We follow Jesus. He invites us to, and he gives us the Holy Spirit to help us. What would it look like? It would look like Jesus, right? <laughs> oh, when Jesus moved into me, he, he said, I need to share something with you, Smiling, Our dad is a missionary. Did you know that? And he wants all of his children to be missionaries too. All of us. Did you not know that? And then I said, well, well, how? And you know what Jesus said to me? He said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. What would it look like to live on mission? Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you. Jesus says, follow me, and I'll show you how, how to be involved in the mission and not a spectator. Follow me. He says, follow me, and I'll show you how beautiful and that the happy life is putting the needs of others ahead of your own. Follow me, and I'll show you. He says, follow me, and I'll show you how to rightly order your loves. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit, right? And the Holy Spirit says, look at Jesus. Isn't that the beautiful life? Isn't that what you want to do with your life? Don't you want to be like that? Follow him. Look at Jesus. He wasn't a spectator. He lived on mission. Don't you want to live on mission? Don't waste your life. Follow Him. Look at Him. Look at the happiness He had in putting the needs of others ahead of Himself. Follow Him. Look at Him. Look how He rightly ordered His loves. He loved the Father and one another and the lost. Oh. When I look at Jesus, you know what I see? He loved his own who were in the world, and he loved them to the end. That's what I want to do. I don't want to become a spectator. I want to love his people in the world and love them to, don't you? And you know what I see? How beautiful it is. As he washed the feet of his disciples, he said, If you know these things, you'll be happy. You'll be blessed if you do them. Oh, and his love is rightly ordered, right? You know, on the cross, we see his love for the Father, right? Because he stayed on the cross because he loved his Father. Uh, until he could tell his Father, I did everything you asked me. Oh. And you know what? He, he loved one another. He saw his mother and he saw John. He said, John, take care of my mom. Mom, don't worry, John, I'll take care of you. Hmm. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that what it looks like to live on mission? And you know what? On the, on the cross, uh, he, he led someone to faith in Christ, didn't he, on the cross? Now, I want to share something with you. On the cross, Jesus was experiencing unbelievable pain and yet unspeakable joy at the same time. Did you know that? Did you know that our hearts can have multiple emotions at the same time? Because his heart is breaking as he's experiencing the wrath of God for our sin, and yet he's rejoicing because the Bible says they throw a party in heaven Every time one lost person comes to faith in Christ. So Jesus tells the thief, like, today you'll be with me in paradise. Um, how? How do we live on mission? We believe in Jesus and follow Him. What would it look like? Well, it would look a lot like Jesus because we follow Him. There's a wonderful rhythm to the Christian life. There's a rhythm that that we gaze at Jesus together on Sundays, right? We come together. Why? To see how beautiful Jesus is. So that we want to follow Him and we want to live on mission. And then Monday through Saturday, we scatter, right, to tell others how amazing Jesus is. You've got to see Him. And isn't that why we get up in the morning, isn't it, and have breakfast? We don't do that because we're good. (laughs) We do that because we want to gaze at how amazing Jesus is. Um, Every morning, he reminds me, Smiley, our dad is, is, is a missionary, and he wants us to live on mission. And so I start my day, and I talk to Jesus about people, and then as I leave the house, you know, I, I pick up a couple of do-you-know booklets because I'm going on mission. I'm go- I want to go and tell others about him, don't you? And when I go at a restaurant, I'm praying on the way in, Lord, help me to see people, open doors, help me to live on mission, won't you? Oh, one of our neighbors, <clears throat> one of our neighbors had an open house yesterday It was so nice, she opened up her home, and she invited all the neighbors in. You know what I did before I went? What do you think I did? I prayed. Lord, keep me from getting involved in some political fight and not representing you well. And Lord, open up opportunities to talk about you. And I remembered that Jesus was a great question asker. So I went, and I asked questions, and I got to know my neighbors, and I was praying they might ask me back. They didn't, but I got to know them. I was on mission." So let me ask you, who do you know who's a younger brother? Who do you know who's a sailor or a Ninevite? And they've messed up in life and they know it. But they need someone to share with them that God welcomes sinners who admit their sins and believe in Him. Won't you go and share? Who do you know <laughs> who's a Jonah? Who do you know who's, who's a religious person who thinks they don't need Jesus? Won't you go and share with them that you can't be too bad to go to heaven, but you can be too good? Won't you plead with them not to be too good to go to heaven? Because if we would just admit we're sinners and believe in Christ and commit, no matter how good we might imagine we are, we still could go to heaven. Won't you? Oh, I am so encouraged by the book of Jonah, and I pray you are too. You know what I see? Our missionary dad used one reluctant evangelist to start a fire that spread through the whole city and 120,000 people were saved. What would our missionary dad do if each of us said, Lord, use me? Will you? What if each of us said, Lord, change my heart? Fill me with a love for the hundreds of thousands of lost people in our county. Lord, set my heart on fire. May I be a part of spreading the gospel throughout our community. Wouldn't you love to see what our missionary dad would do? Doesn't Jesus extend that invitation to all of us, doesn't he? Didn't he say what? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Oh, he did it before. Don't you want to see him do it again? Don't you want to be a part of it? You can. Let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to save sinners, younger brothers, older brothers, all of us. Listen, if you've never put your faith in Jesus, won't you? One day it'll be too late. Don't wait until it's too late. Jesus is here. Won't you just tell him, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in. And be my Savior. And forgive me. And give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life. Help me be the person you want me to be. Uh, If you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on a card and put it in the box? We'd love to celebrate with you. Tell someone, if you'll tell someone, Jesus will be more real to us, to, to you. Lord, we're so thankful for the time we've had to study the book of Jonah and to see what you could do through one reluctant evangelist. Lord, I pray that everyone here who knows you, I mean, if you know Jesus, don't you really want to be on mission? Don't you really want your life to count? Won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, fill my heart with the love for lost people around me. Lord, I want to be a part. I want to be a part of a church that wants to spread the fire of the gospel throughout our county. Oh, Lord, we've seen what you've done before. Holy Spirit, fall for us. May we see a great spiritual awakening in our county, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.